the roads we walk have demons beneath. And yours have been waiting for a very long time. You know why I'm here. I'd like to hear you say it. What is this? We can't do this. Is this supposed to be a game? I thought this was some kind of... What? Trick. Because it's not a trick, it's a plan. What's the very worst thing you can do to your very best friends? Tell them your darkest secret. I love you. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode number 34 of Discussing Who, and tonight we're going to be having a little study going on, or this morning, or whenever you might be listening, a little study of Sherlock. Since we're talking about Sherlock, I think the best person to introduce first is Mr. Lee Shackelford. Hey, Lee. Hi, guys. Hey, how's it going? Good to be back with you. Good deal. How are you? How are you? Always uh, very good. Always glad to be talking about Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Yeah, I had a feeling you might would say that. Well, Mm -hmm. joining us, as always, is the other member of our three-person partners in crime, Mr. (laughs) Clarence Brown. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm great. Just uh, happy to be on and ask a lot of questions, probably, because I know nothing about Sherlock Holmes other than the basics, which everybody probably knows, uh, and the, the few basic basic quotes that everybody uh, spits out. And, you know, it's kind of like that day I walked in Cal's office at, at uh, in Hattiesburg, and he mentioned something called Doctor Who, and I knew nothing about it. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how, how I feel at this point. Yeah, no I, turning back. I, yeah I kind of remember that, too. And, you know, uh, even though we're talking about Sherlock tonight, let me throw in the fact that I remember you watching the first, second episodes and coming back in my office and saying, Mm, I just don't know if I could get into this. I just don't think. And I, I remember saying, wait till the second season. This is a good season, but wait and then yeah. and then wait till you meet River. And lo and behold, <laughs> here we are, however many, five, six years later, and we're talking about Doctor Who. Well, at least not tonight, but yeah. <laughs> we're, but we're always discussing who exactly. Ooh, ooh, that was good. Ooh, that was very good. That was that was Rose. Is that is that what you started with? Yeah, you started with yes. Rose. Yes, yeah. yes. I started with yeah. the the new Who series. Yeah. It was my first. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was great. Um, uh, I, like Cal said, I didn't think I was going to get into it, but I kept watching, and it kind of hooked me, and I'm I'm grateful for it. <laughs> All right, so Lee, let me ask you a question. If mm-hmm. trade places with me, go back in time, trade places with me, and someone comes into your office and says, right, "Give me something new." You know, what are you watching? Give me something new to watch. Would you have started with Rose, or would you have started with fill in the blank? Yeah, uh, you mean specifically about Doctor Who? Uh, but, you know, if if you were going to recommend Doctor Who to a brand new person, would you have? Did as I did, chose Rose, or would you have gone another route? Yeah, it would depend entirely on the person. If it was somebody um, my age, you know, late fifties, I would have said, "You, you know, anything about Doctor Who at all?" And and I would have, <laughs> I would have loaded them up with the, you know, favorite episodes of the the Fourth Doctor. Okay, 
right. which I have yet to go back and watch, and I really, really need to. So I might yeah. still take their recommendation. <laughs> which is actually uh, coming good. in an upcoming upco- episode when we're going to do our top five classic and top, top oh, five yeah. current Who uh, episodes. So there you go. Terrific. Terrific. Oh, exactly. All right. So let's let's uh, talk about another. You know, we're kind of talking the news here. So let's talk about another TV series or two TV series. Actually, it looks like a pilot for a live action X Men, not a cartoon. A live action X Men TV series has been uh, basically greenlit to make a pilot, not a series yet. Make a pilot for a live action X Men movie, Clarence. What do you think? I think this is going to be interesting because uh, Marvel, um, different from DC, their TV shows are pretty much canon to the movie, the whole MCU. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the X Men universe and if they're going to keep it canon. Since it's really Fox heading this thing and not Disney, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to collaborate, but. Yeah, I wonder what role they're going to take as far as it being part of their whole universe. And Lee, what do you say? Well, I, I've had I have sort of the same questions, but I'm a little more skeptical because Fox still controls the X Men as a film and television property, don't they? They sure do, and th- that so was they, what, what they, I was hoping was going to be the announcement today. Yeah, and, um, but it, I, that means that they're not beholden to the to the MCU. And they yeah. can do whatever they want, I, which could be great. But And, uh, you know, I'll lead into the next part of our news, which there is actually a movie, a, not a movie, a TV series on FX starting February 2017 called Legion. Now, Clarence, I know I've mentioned this to you, but Lee, do, if I name the character Legion, are you familiar with him? I'm not, no. All right, so let me ask you this, and anyone listening, spoilers uh, if you don't want to know what I'm about to reveal, but <laughs> do either of you want to know how this character is connected to the X-Men? Ooh, sure. Doesn't he have something to do with Magneto? I'm not... Well, Legion I'm... did kill... Well, Legion attempted in the Age of Apocalypse. This is where you've heard Legion before. Legion at- attempted to kill... Professor, I mean, excuse me, um, Magneto in uh, the comics, and that started this alternate reality called Age of Apocalypse. And what happened was Charles prevented him from killing Magneto and in turn got killed accidentally himself. And so that create and and Legion had gone back into the past. That created this alternate timeline of what if Charles had died before he ever created the X-Men? What would have happened? Hmm. Now, because uh, the X-Men never deal in alter- alternate timelines, do they? Oh, absolutely, they do. <laughs> no, yeah, no. that would that would be confusing. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Again, my my biggest concern is just: uh, are they going to be in, in uh, step with their movies, and or is this going to just be a totally different thing, like the DC properties are? So that's kind of what I want to see. I think it'll be interesting, and I'm definitely going to tune in. All right. Well, let me say this. Legion is not just a is not a team. It is actually a single person. And Legion it also 
is the offspring of an elder statesman of the X-Men. I'll put it that way. Mm. No. Yeah. So, so while we're on this real quick, have you heard about that show, that comedy DC show that's coming on? Um, it may be on the CW. Powerless. No, it's actually on NBC. Uh, NBC. What? NBC <laughs> called Powerless. Isn't he like uh, the main character, like Bruce Wayne's cousin or something? Yes, as, and <sighs> I, I just don't know how that's. You know, it's supposed to be uh, set in a not the prime Earth or the you know the main Earth or the whatever Earth. It's supposed <laughs> to be an off Earth seventeen or something like that. But still, it, yes, it's Bruce Wayne's cousin. Yeah, but still, as far as the the uh, TV properties go, it could still be something different, and and they're, they're not in step anyway, so it doesn't really matter all that much. But it was this a comic, or is this something they just uh, uh, conjured up for the TV show? What do you think? I'll 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 throw that back it, at it, you. It doesn't seem like it's any can anything that's canon. Uh, my personal opinion, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> no, I'm actually going to agree with you. I know nothing of powers. <laughs> Awesome sauce. So, but it, it, it is based on a comic book, though. Well, it is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's based. I mean, my understanding is these are. Well, originally, I think it was supposed to be about people cleaning up after heroes. And then they retooled it after the reception of the original pilot. And now they are scientists working for Wayne Industries that is making things that protect you from superhero battles or something to that right. effect right yeah yeah the, the little uh, trader that i saw had uh, people with uh, kind of like a uh, uh, crash uh, you know like a car collision bags that you wear on your on your person all the time in case you you know somebody drops a building on you or something yeah yeah like that that famous scene in the movie we love from 2016 yeah oh yeah um yeah, what was it it does uh, happen captain america civil war <laughs> i remember we really loved that yeah yeah so <laughs> no, that other movie where people kept dropping buildings on people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man of Steel. <laughs> um, yes. All right. So let me say this: season ten, Doctor Who, April. It looks like. I th- yes. I, I was going to say, are we excited? But uh, duh. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> well, I am. Thanks to Bill. I'm just. I just. I'm really um, liking the glimpses that we're getting of her, and I just. I, I think she's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it looks like the idea is to have a companion who is um, always asking doc- the doctor the questions that the rest of us really want to know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, why do the Daleks keep saying exterminate? What is the point of that? You know, <laughs> and so she asks that, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I think, you know, and I think I mentioned this when we were recording uh, episode 338 of Podshock, which is, you know, I think she's going to be able to bring out a different part of Capaldi's doctor Mm -hmm. that's not a layover from, oh, well, you've had Clara with the other doctor, and now she's with this doctor, and this is his companion, just as Nordal is in some ways his companion, not associated with Clara in any way. Right. So, If anything, uh, Nordal is his uh, his link to River Song. Which makes me like him even more. There you go. Hey, Clarence, uh, I know at the time of this airing, you know, episode 338 is not out as as we're recording this, but literally they gave me a moment of silence almost uh, for River Song in episode 338. 
So that was <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, it's, it's definitely time for something new, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I am Can't too. Wait. I am too, and I, I you know I, I I'm trying to no pun intended stay away from spoilers, but I couldn't help but accidentally see a picture today that might have people you know a characters our characters in uh season 10 that may be of the weeping variety but you know just mm. take that as you wish i'm excited excited still so yes. let me let me ask a question and this is kind of to get us out of the news and mm-hmm. i'll point this and let this help segue so lee i'm going to ask you this question Oh, turning now to sports. No, I'm, I'm going. I'm going really way out there from sports. Here's my question: yes. Who is Sherlock Holmes? It's a good question, and we've been asking it for nigh on to 130 years now. Um, if you stop people on the street and ask him if he is a real person or a fictional or a fictional character, uh, you'll get it's basically like flipping a coin. Um, lots and lots of people think he's a real person. And the Sherlockians, the ones who are committed, committed to playing to playing the game, as we call it, that's the game. Is that all of these things really happened? Um, and the accounts that we have written by Doctor Watson are uh, accounts of real events, but he has had to disguise some of the details. You know, the names have been changed to protect the innocent, like they used to say on Dragnet. So the game is to figure out who was he really talking about. So, yeah, the official answer is Sherlock Holmes um, was a real person and um, is still alive, uh, despite (laughs) the fact that he'd be incredibly old. And there's been various explanations about that. But um, best of all is uh, Vincent Sterrett's poem, 221B, which um, begins by uh, saying uh, that uh, they never lived and so can never die. Hmm. Good. So, so you said something really interesting there. So mm. are all oh, these good. Books, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> are all the books from Watson's perspective? All of the short stories except one. Um, uh, that's not true. There are two. Uh, one that is told from a third person narrative that speaks of them in third person. And then there's one where Holmes basically says, I, I th- I'm going to show Watson how this is done. You know, I, I don't like the way he writes the stories. And so he tries to tell it from his point of view, but he ends up telling it just the way Watson would, which I, I, I think is actually kind of sweet, really. <laughs> you know, this isn't per se Sherlock Holmes as as in the character, but, you know, I, all right, let me, let me preface by saying this. What attracted me and made me curious about the whole idea of Doctor Who was you had this character that could go anywhere and do anything and essentially travel anywhere he wanted to go. And then whenever I realized there were multiple versions of this same person, that's when my brain just latched onto it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you know, even though you do enjoy Dr. Who Sherlock would take precedence over that f- based on your works, based on, you know, the things that you've done. So tell me at what point was Sherlock, uh, I'm just, you know, all into this. And what made that click for you for Sherlock Holmes? 
Um, I, I was uh, kind of blessed to tell this story, which I think I've told on this pod, very podcast before. But, but I, I was watching um, late night TV and I turned on uh, a movie and it was um, Basil Rathbone playing Sherlock Holmes. And he had been hypnotized and was going to be made to walk off the top of a building, which is interestingly something we saw in, uh, in Doctor Who once. If I might interrupt. Yes, sorry. Hello, great fella. Who exactly are you? Well, that's the question. I demand to know who you are. I don't know. See, that's the thing. I'm a doctor, but beyond that, I, I just don't know. I literally do not know who I am. It's all untested. Am I funny? Am I sarcastic? Sexy? Vital misery? Life and soul? Right-handed, left-handed, a gambler, a fighter, a coward, a traitor, a liar, a nervous wreck. I mean, judging by the evidence, I've certainly got a goal. And how am I going to react when I see this? A great big threatening button. <laughs> a great big threatening button which must not be pressed under any circumstances. Am I right? Let me guess, it's some sort of control matrix. Hmm? Hold on, what's feeding it? And what have we got here? Blood? Yeah, definitely. Blood. Human blood. A positive. With just a dash of iron. Ah. But that means... Blood control. Blood control! Oh! I haven't seen blood control for years! You're controlling all the A positives. Which leaves us with a great big stinking problem. Because I really don't know who I am. I don't know when to stop. So if I see a great big threatening which should never, ever, ever be pressed, then I just want to do this. And, you know, the Tenth Doctor told us that you can't hypnotize somebody to death, and that's why he knew it wasn't going to happen. Uh, in this movie, we don't know that. But um, I was fascinated by that, and I really wanted to know more about um, uh, that world that this this kind of thing was happening in. So I went looking for the... Uh, the original story in which that um, that event happened, and of course it didn't. That's from the the film uh, The Woman in Green, which turns out to be a, not a very good movie, but it is what uh, <laughs> got me uh, running to the canon to read the original, uh, the fifty six short stories and the four novels that uh, Arthur Conan Doyle wrote. And uh, yeah, happily, what I found there was I thought it was a lot more interesting than <laughs> than that movie. But yeah, that was it. You know, snap, uh, never looked back. Got you. And if anyone wants to hear about Lee's interpretation of the, the uh, relationship between Holmes and Watson, he actually wrote a play that you can find at his website, which is shackleforfreelance.com. Uh, there's links on our website to that. And uh, I'll put this also in the show notes, so if you can uh, take a look at that and you'll see that. And also go back to episode, I believe it was episode number 16, that we, we go into detail in episode 16. So I want to you know, mention that. But I want okay. to focus a little bit at this point on some of the questions of uh, Heather and she's the one who actually inspired this episode to find out a little bit more of what we thought about Sherlock and Sherlock as an entity and also talk about the series. So yeah, Clarence, the, the BBC Sherlock. The BBC yeah. Sherlock. So Clarence, other than the BBC Sherlock, what, sh what has been 
your exposure to the Sh- Sherlockian world? Uh, I think probably even more than the BBC series, my m- most memorable or prominent exposure is the uh, Robert Downey Jr. movies, okay. uh, which I couldn't understand a word he was saying in, but <laughs> but I but I quite enjoyed because uh, they had a bit more action than I would expect uh, from a Sherlock movie. But yeah, that that's my primary experience. Other than you know, when you're growing up, you hear a lot of whisperings or in passing, you hear a lot of things about Sherlock and and of course there were probably some TV shows or something on TV I probably caught a bit of and didn't really play pay real close attention to at the time. So yeah, it's kind of been a distant relationship with the with the property and you know the movies. Uh, were kind of my first real dive into into Sherlock, which right. I, again I thought the movies were, were not the greatest, but they were okay. All right, so so th- that led into my next question, Lee. Have you seen the Robert Downey Jr. version? Oh yes. So yeah, what did I, you what did you think? Uh, I enjoyed them quite a lot. Um, I I. Uh, you know, I, I, we could do a whole podcast about that, I guess. But uh, um, <laughs> they they both make a whole lot of um, of Irene Adler and uh, Professor Moriarty and um, um, people who who first knew the short stories and the and the the four novels. Um, for a lot of us, it's like, oh, for God's sake! Each of those characters was only in one story. It's you know, and this <laughs> this whole thing that that Moriarty is. Uh, I mean that's become proverbial. Holmes versus Moriarty, you know, it's it's Superman and Lex Luthor. It's not. That's not in the stories. <laughs> that that all comes to be afterwards in the, in the movies and the radio shows and things like that. And and this idea of sort of making Irene Adler Sherlock Holmes's girlfriend is just I I'm just weary of it. I just I've never liked that. And um and she's got to be a killer too. And that's so we'll, we'll talk about the BBC Sherlock in that respect too. So I just um, that's just not who Irene Adler is in my mind and in my heart. And, uh, and, um, and Moriarty's dead too. He's, he's dead. D E D dead. So because correct me if I'm wrong, when, when he, he being, um, you know, the writer, uh, Conan Doyle, when he killed off quote unquote back into 18, I think it what, what was it? 1891, 1892. Mm-hmm. All right. So in 1891, that's when the story takes place. Yeah. All right. So when the story takes, cause he, if I remember correctly, it was 1893 that he stopped writing, but it was 1891 that the story took place. Right. And so he, he, yeah, he's explaining why you at the same time Sherlock did or did he he did not and okay. um no he's completely dead and and he wasn't in any of the stories before that he shows up to be the reason why Holmes dies ah and so he was only in it. one written story right yeah he's in the final problem that's it ah okay see i learned something so clarence you're not the only you one <laughs> so i well the reason i was asking about the robert downey junior version I tried to watch a little bit of the first one, and I actually stopped watching it about halfway between, you know, or halfway in the middle or whatever of watching it because I compared him too much to Jeremy Brett, who I'd like to talk about at this yeah. point. And he wasn't Jeremy Brett, and it was, okay, I like you as Iron Man, but mm, mm, you're yeah. not Jeremy Brett. Clarence, I sent you a link yesterday, and you may not have had is that because I sent it at last minute. Did you get a chance to see any of the Jeremy Brett version? 
Uh, I, I didn't watch any of the episodes, but I did watch like a supercut of his best lines. Uh, <laughs> and, and, that yeah, would that be was, fun. Yeah. yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, he he seems to me in comparison to what I saw on the BBC show for one episode and the movies that came out uh, a few years back. That he's a very much a classical interpretation of um, of what what Sherlock should be. Uh, it seems like if I was reading a book, that would be the version of Sherlock I would have in my head um, versus these more modernized. Even though the Robert Downey Jr. was in in the past, it was still a kind of modern take on it. Him and the fighting and everything, and definitely far removed from what we saw see on the BBC show. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought he was good. What is it tonight? Morphine or cocaine? Well, I can strongly recommend a 7% solution of cocaine. Would you care to try it? No, indeed. I speak not only as your friend, but as a medical man. How can you risk such damage to the great powers with which you have been endowed. I cannot tell you how it clarifies and stimulates the mind. Yes, and destroys it in time. My mind rebels at stagnation. Give me problems. Give me work. Give me the most abstruse cryptogram, the most intricate analysis, and I'm in my proper atmosphere. Then I can dispense with artificial stimulants. But I abhor the dull routine of existence. I crave mental exaltation. That is why I've chosen my own profession, or rather, created it. For I am the only one in the world. The only unofficial detective. The only unofficial consulting detective. I take no credit in my cases. The work itself, the pleasure of finding a field for my particular powers, is my highest reward. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed seeing the, the supercut. <laughs> cool. Well, Lee, I you know think this is a story worth repeating. So um, let, let me preface you recapping this story by saying the artwork, that's on our website for this um, particular episode was inspired by something that Lee actually received. So, Lee, would you like to recap and tell everyone what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, uh, it's one of the reasons I sent you the the scans, so you you can link to this if you want to. But when my when my play Holmes and Watson was was young and new and had only just had a college production. I very cheekily sent a script to Isaac Asimov, who was a famous Sherlockian. He was he was a member of the Baker Street Irregulars, and uh, um, you know, I I figured, you know, why the hell not? But I'm never going to hear from him. And he wrote me this postcard back, this this beautiful letter, this appreciation of my script. I mean, he not only read it, but he liked it. For God's sake, Isaac Asimov. Wow. Anyway, that's and 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 in the scan, you can see I've always kept that framed, and I I have uh, on it a a fortune cookie fortune because. Just before I went to my little mailbox um, uh, when I was living in downtown, a big city where I had a you know post office mailbox, um, I had had a Chinese lunch, and my fortune cookie fortune said, you'll soon be honored by someone you respect. And I don't know why I put that in my shirt pocket, but I kept it. And then I had a postcard from Isaac Asimov. <laughs> 
Anyway, but meanwhile, one of my friends um, had had kind of the same idea, but he wanted to send the script to Jeremy Brett, who was at that time playing Sherlock Holmes in uh, the, the Grenada uh, TV series that you've seen. And um, I wouldn't have thought of that. And then I got a postcard from Jeremy Brett about the... Wow. Anyway... Yeah, wow. and and as I as I commented to uh, to Kyle earlier today, um, the thing that I've always loved about that postcard is that he 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 mentioned that he's still filming uh, uh, the Grenada series, and he wraps it up by saying, "Still trying to capture him, never, never will. will." Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And and it and it, it's really it is almost proverbial among actors who want to take this role seriously is that he's just too full of contradictions. He's too complicated to ever really figure him out as a real person. And and the truth is probably that a lot of that is because Conan Doyle, um, it, this was not his favorite writing project. He wanted to be moving on past Sherlock Holmes, but he was making him rich. <laughs> so, you know, you got to keep cranking those stories up. And sometimes it really shows in the writing. It's like, all oh, right, here's your Sherlock Holmes story. <laughs> you know? So it does make Holmes very uh, contradictory and perplexing. But if you want to try to take that seriously and pull it all together and say, OK, what does this really show us about a real person? Then you've got a real puzzle to solve. So I want to yeah. ask a question to you real quick that I've, I don't think I've ever asked either in person or, or either, you know, either not on the air or, or on the air, which is if someone were going to go out and read a Sh- Sherlock story, name me the story that you would suggest they read first. Hmm. First. Um, probably the first of the short stories, really, is uh, A Scandal in Bohemia. Okay. Um, it, it is, it is uh, I think, sort of the quintessence of Sherlock Holmes. The the one that it used to be in people's uh, literature books that people were made to read, in, like in the ninth grade or school or whatever, used to be um, The Speckled Band, which is also a cracking good adventure and does have a puzzling mystery in it and a, and a kind of a surprising conclusion. But um, I, I love Speckled Band. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I would uh, I would always point people towards uh, Scandal in Bohemia. Okay, and Clarence, so. I think you were about to ask something before I started. Mm. Uh, well, I'm I'm just piggyback with off what Lee just said. Um, if if we're talking about people who portrayed him on the big screen or small screen, who do you think um, has the most quintessential uh, interpretation of of Sherlock? Yeah, that's always a naughty question, too. I love Jeremy Brett's um, Sherlock Holmes so much because because he was so serious about trying to trying to bring the character that he saw in the stories to life. And and the Grenada series is it was an attempt to make a a complete, um, you know, a film based on each and every one of the stories. And whether or not they actually succeeded in doing that is a, is a question for debate. But they did make, you know, enough episodes. It's just um, at, at some point they just started getting really way off the stories and, and making things up. But, um, uh, yeah, I, it, it is just, just kind of as you were saying, Clarence, a little while ago, when I read the stories, I still hear Jeremy Brett's voice. <laughs> right. As Holmes. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have to give um, Benedict credit for the fact of I did try to watch Robert Downey Jr., who I think is fantastic as Tony Stark playing mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes and couldn't do it. And I'm able to watch his, you know, variation or rendition or interpretation of Sherlock and continue watching it. So, you know, kudos to him for that. That's true. Yeah, because he is an entrancing actor to watch. You know, my biggest... Um uh, obstacle in taking Robert Downey Jr. seriously as Sherlock Holmes is that he just doesn't look like him. 
I mean, it, it is a yeah. famous profile. It is something that we know that it has become part of cultural literacy, what Holmes's profile looks like. And Robert Downey Jr. just doesn't look like that. But um, for people who haven't read the stories, the original stories, um, they they're they may come away from this saying, well, this guy, he you know, he, he likes to fist fight for fun. And and, you know, he, he poisoned the dog and, you know, he he he, t- he takes he drinks poison to see if it's going to kill him. You know, that that's not Sherlock Holmes. Actually, it is. That's completely <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, so I always want to say, yeah, you may want to go read those stories. Because, yeah, it actually, is. yeah, that really is. Yeah. And which um, which which is one of the questions I had, I mean, again, from watching the movie and this first episode, the current season of Sherlock is Sherlock always known as being either a drug addict or a drunk. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure which one it is. It seems like a drug addict from the show, but I'm, I'm not sure. So maybe you can <laughs> enlighten me. Yeah. From very early on in the stories, it's, it's, uh, it's established that he, uh, abuses drugs, uh, particularly cocaine. And, in, the 18, uh, in the 1890s? <laughs> yeah, in the 1890s, it was much more com- – it was, it was completely common. It, there wasn't a law against it. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, and any, any doctor, including the doctor who lives with him, will tell you it's a stupid idea, but, uh, but there wasn't a law against it. But Holmes finds it innervating, and, his, and he says his brain is always racing, and, and if he doesn't have a puzzle to solve, then he's got no choice, he feels, but to um, – make a, uh, uh, a solution of cocaine and inject it under, under the subcutaneously. He's got to have that, you know, coursing around under his skin. And, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's part of the portrait of him that Conan Doyle wanted to create is that there's something wrong with him. He's, he's not a, <laughs> a well per- functioning person. Although it's funny. I was at a convention one time talking about, Sherlock Holmes before a group of, of people. And I said, he is broken. And I used that word and the audience booed me. Huh. And I'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> because I'm sorry, but he kind of is. I don't know. I don't quite know how you get around that. When he comes back from the dead, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see it. Um, <laughs> now I can. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now that I said it. In the in um, uh, the the adventure of the empty house, he he, he uh, miraculously comes back from the dead, and that's uh, by the way, that's that's really what my play Holmes and Watson is about, is about really how absurd that idea is about his excuse for uh, showing back up again. From that time on, in the stories, um, he is drug free, hmm. and Conan Doyle doesn't address that in the stories. We don't really know what happened. But it touched that that was observing that kicked off something in the brain of the young Nicholas Meyer, who sat down and wrote a novel saying that's what those years in which he's supposedly dead are all about is about him shaking the the habit. Oh, so in other words, he went to rehab. Exactly. But in the Seven Percent Solution, in in his book and the the great I think a great film that's based on Seven Percent Solution, we learn that. He's gone to Vienna. That Watson has taken him to Vienna to meet the world's leading authority on shaking cocaine addiction, Sigmund Freud. Hmm. So, ah. so Holmes and Freud end up uh, solving a mystery together, which is, and it becomes quite an exciting story. So, um, yeah, I used to say that as a young man, the th- my three favorite things were sword fights, uh, steam locomotives, and Sherlock Holmes. 
<laughs> the film of 7% Solution ends with Sherlock Holmes in a sword fight oh, on nice. top of a runaway train. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, where has this movie been all my <laughs> Yeah. So. I, you know, we were, we've been talking about Robert Downer Jr. We've talked about, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, let me throw out a couple of more names that have mm-hmm. had the uh, opportunity, I would say, or the distinction. Yes. Um, Tom Baker. Uh, mm-hmm. Peter Cushing, which Peter Cushing, yes, you know, uh, Peter Cushing is actually one of my favorite screen homes. Is he's he's not he's not tall enough. Is about the only complaint I can come up with. But he's mesmerizing. He's fascinating. And and, and Clarence, I think you you're familiar with uh, Peter Cushing, aren't you? We yeah, shall deal with your rebel friends. Soon. Yes, and yeah, we saw saw him in um in Rogue One, and of course the <laughs> other other older movies as well. That's right. Yeah, we saw him in Rogue One, even though he was you know. Dead, which is funny you say that about his height because he seems uh, very tall in that movie for some reason. He does, but you know what? That's what that's pointing out to you is how tiny Carrie Fisher was. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the fact that he's able to tower over Carrie Fisher is a reminder that she was teeny. (laughs) Yeah. Now, um, he also played, and and Clarence, I don't know if you know this or if I've mentioned this one before. He was in the. Uh, 1966 or 65, 64, Doctor Who and the Daleks, big screen yes. adaptation. Yeah, I read that. He was in the other, the, the other period. Who? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the not the uh, not the real Doctor Who. who yeah, unfortunately, forgotten movies. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I actually tried to watch them and just eh, couldn't do it. So, well, so, it certainly makes your head hurt because he he calls himself Doctor Who, right? And that just and sounded in, weird. It's just weird, and he's invented a machine that he calls the TARDIS. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, and he, and and his and his companions are are Ian and Barbara, but they're they're kids, <laughs> it's like, right? Oh my God, this is this seems like this is a, a film that's. Um, <laughs> it's 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 written by somebody who has had Doctor Who described to them over the telephone. Bizarro right. world. And, and, <laughs> and, and Susan was his granddaughter and she was like, you know, five, six, seven years old. So Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about who, who the other kids are, but anyway. No, no, no. Yeah. They were Ian and Barbara, but it they're was Ian not but it was no, it was they were teenagers, you're right, but it was not you know, it was not uh the school teachers, not, the not, adults. Not the real Ian and Barbara. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's, but it uh, does connect Peter Cushing from it does connect Sherlock Holmes and uh, and Doctor Who, as of course do the showrunners of the BBC Sherlock, and which you know that that may be the biggest uh, Who Sherlock connection possible. Correct. So, and, and you know, as good as Robert Gatiss or Gaddis, I think it's Gatiss, isn't it? Mark Gatiss, yeah. Okay, as great as he is, as Mycroft, as great as he is writing and you know producing sherlock i've noticed that some of my least favorite doctor who episodes are some that he's written mm-hmm. yeah you know because what was the one last last year about the dust uh the dust people or the you had dust in your eyes or whatever oh golly yeah i've, I've already sort of blocked that out you know because it was not very was, good and i was thinking of the lazarus effect which he wrote and starred in right and uh yeah same thing. And, um, yeah, I just love him. He's somebody I'd really like to have a cup of tea with one of these days. So, you know, I hope he never hears this. But these last three episodes, I think he wrote them all. 
and wrote bigger and bigger roles for Mycroft in them. So he's practically starring in them as well. And I did not like them. I did not. Mm. Yeah. So, so let's Phoenix get into kind of what we're getting into right now, which yeah. is the current season, the current version. So, so before we talk about the current season, Lee, when you knew or when you heard that Sherlock was coming back to the BBC, but it was going to be set modernized, you know, it wasn't going to be Victorian or, you know, 1800s, whatever. It was modern day. What were your thoughts? Um, that's not new. It's been done before. And so I wasn't, uh, I wasn't horrified or anything. I, you know, I said, well, let's, let's see what's happening here. You know, uh, it's, um, it's going to be, um, um, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gittes and, you know, um, they've done some great things together and some things that I didn't like. And, you know, I think mostly I was excited about the casting because I, I knew Martin Freeman and, um, and I just thought, oh, he's going to be Dr. Watson. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Didn't know Benedict so so much. I had not seen him, uh, you know, do so many things. And uh, so, yeah. Clarence, would you like to know, or you may already know, who actually auditioned for the role of Watson before Martin Freeman came in and was basically turned down for the role, saying he didn't fit? Uh, no, let, uh, tell me. Well, let me let me put it like this. I just had to get another cup of tea to keep my voice going. Um, I'll give you a hint. Uh, the hint goes like this. The number is between 10 and 12. No way. Yes, Matt Smith. He, I've never heard that. I've no, you didn't know that, that either. Oh, no. no. And he actually auditioned for Watson and was Holy turned shit. down for, I think, his portrayal was not stoic enough. It was, it was, you know, too animated. And yeah. uh, well, that's be. that's the best turn turn down that I've I've, I've heard of in recent time. Because <laughs> he, he's a great doctor. But it was because of his auditioning for that that Moffat said, "Hmm, uh, David Tennant's leaving. Oh, I know this guy. He would be great for it." Wow, fate. <laughs> yeah. So so look at it. I guess we could look at That's it like this. Because of Sherlock coming back to the BBC, we got Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor. Hmm. Hmm. Good one. There you go. Clarence, you've only seen a couple of episodes of the new Sherlock. Is that correct? I saw the first one of the current season. I may have seen an episode uh, a while back here and there. Interestingly enough, I, I didn't notice until doing research for this episode, there was quite a several years between last se- series and this series. What was it like? Four years, Lee? Um, wow. you know, I, I wasn't counting. Um, but, uh, cause I really thought the se- the series had wrapped. I thought we were done. <laughs> so, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know, but yeah, it, yeah. For, for Dr. Who fans have been complaining that this is the year without who, uh, yeah. Sherlockians are saying, Hey, don't tell us your problems. Um, yeah, it has been a long time in any case. And thanks to Wikipedia, I'll say, let's see here. There was three episodes airing in 2010, three episodes right. airing in 2012, three episodes mm-hmm. airing in 2014, one episode airing January 1st, 2016, That's and right. then this, this one. So it's not been quite as long as I thought it had, but still... Yeah, but- that's so there quite, was only the only the abominable bride, yes, between the sign of three and then finally the the sixth thatchers, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
Well, when you're off making three Hobbit movies, I don't think there's a lot of time to do Sherlock. Well, that that seriously <laughs> was the problem because because um, you know um, Benedict Cumberbatch was uh, he was uh, voice and uh, motion capture for Smog. Ah, so, okay. Uh, yeah, so he and Martin Freeman were they were Bilbo and Smog, <laughs> um, which didn't call which didn't require Benedict to be gone quite so long. But he had another movie to go off and make too. In the meantime, how strange. So. How strange that is. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, what did you guys, and, and Clarence, I'll uh, let you go first on this one. What did you think of the episode? All right, so tell me, y- y- which episode was it that you saw of this season? The uh, first the one, right? Six, six, yeah, the Six Thatchers, I think okay. the name of it. I got you. But, but let me say the thing that jumped out at me the most on this being a modern take of Sherlock, man, they really... I got tired of seeing Skype calls. I got tired of seeing text messages flash on the screen. <laughs> it, I'm like, really? It it was just an overabundance of tech in my face. Okay, we know this is a modern take on Sherlock. We know that there's technology. You don't have to show a Skype screen on the on on, on the camera every time they make a call. It, it really. Other than just to show the person on the other end, instead of doing how we did in the old days, to just cut to it, they, I yeah. guess they wanted to interleave <laughs> it a, a little bit more or interweave it a little bit more. So, yeah, I kind of got tired of that. But, but other than that, I kind of enjoyed the complexity of the story, even though it was far-fetched in some in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, yes. But I can say in, in that aspect, it did have me thinking and on my toes the whole time because I really even though they explained things I really still had to think about it and and yeah it was it was it was interesting and I got to see a Power Ranger so hey how can you complain (laughs) that's right (laughs) all right well let me ask you this Clarence what did you think about Mrs. Hudson um you have to tell me who Mrs. Hudson is she's the housekeeper not your housekeeper. Uh, uh, no opinion at all. <laughs> was I supposed to gather something from her? No, 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 not at all. I was just curious uh, 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 what, what you thought of her as the char- as a character in general. No, I don't think I saw enough on, on, of her on the in the first episode to really make an impact on my impression. Uh, if you wouldn't have mentioned her, I wouldn't even thought about her again. Lee, what, how do you take this interpretation of Mrs. Hudson? It's a lot of fun because uh, Mrs. Hudson is the is, well, she ends up being the housekeeper. But um, um, j- just for the for the sake of people who, who who may not know this, in Victorian England, a real common thing that happened was that um, uh, married couples, um, uh, the husband would own the house, and he would leave it to her in his will. And you know, the gap between when men when women died and men died was, was even greater than it was then. So she's probably going to be on her own for decades. And what happened all over England was that these women ended up with these houses that had six, seven, eight rooms in them and they would let them out. So they would all become landladies. Hmm. Uh, and so Mrs. Hudson is just one of the, one of the thousands. And, uh, and, um, Holmes, uh, Holmes finds that, uh, that apartment, that flat. And, um, so she's always there. She's always a presence because it's her house. But Conan Doyle is sort of um, 
dismissive of her. She has served her purpose, and so she's there, and she brings the meals and so on and disappears. In, in fact, in one story, he calls her Mrs. Turner. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not interested in her. And, um, and I did love the fact that Moffat and Gatiss really wanted to say, well, let's, let's take this seriously. If we're going to have her in the story, why can't she be um, interesting on her own right? And yes, they they made her interesting in her own right, without rending the canonical fabric, as we like to say, without without taking her so far <laughs> that, that it's no longer you know yeah uh, she's still yeah. it's still her house it's still you know she's still there and, and the running joke you know when they keep talking to her like she's the housekeeper she always says I'm not the housekeeper <laughs> so so let me ask you guys uh, other than tweeting obsessively uh, does does, <laughs> does does Sherlock often use the phrase "I'm a high-functioning soci- sociopath" a lot in this series, or was it just that episode? Because I heard it a lot for some it, reason. It was it famously turned up in one episode a couple of years ago and became uh, a, an overnight catchphrase. Ah, uh, because um, exactly why Holmes is the way he is is not something that's ever really been explained or addressed before. Um. And um, you know, Moffin Gatiss really, really took this stand that he's he's either on the autism spectrum or there's something else going on. And um, and in one of the earlier stories, somebody calls him a psychopath, and he says, "I'm not a psychopath. I'm a high functioning sociopath." Get your terminology right. Uh, so okay. so he, he's a high functioning sociopath, and he knows it. <laughs> he knows, <laughs> you know? yeah. and he's not apologetic about it. Apropos, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And uh, and it is a. It is a, a characterization works, but a real sociopath is not capable of the kind of theory of mind that the character also exhibits. So as the story goes on, we have to kind of wonder, he's still playing with us, isn't he? He's not a high functioning sociopath because we see him cry. We see him care. We see him hurt. Yeah. We, you know, we see him take risks for people that he, you know, it's not going to benefit him in any way. So. Oh. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And when you speak of caring, I think of that one scene when Watson is on the bus and he sees a girl looking at him, yeah. and she he thinks she's checking him out, but when he walks out and looks at his reflection on the bus, he sees the flower from his child yeah. that he put from caring from his child in his on his ear. Man, that was, that was touching right there. I really enjoyed eh? that scene. Right, yes. So, so Clarence, you don't know then what what happened in the last two episodes, correct? No, I don't. But you can spoil me. Right. I don't care. So, so. <laughs> so, so let me say this to anyone who is listening. The uh, word for the day spoilers. is f- spoilers. Exactly. And now, are these three the only for this particular series? Or uh, I know they usually do two or three. Yeah, it's, it's going to be yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so just three. And as far as I know, and well, seeing the last episode gave me the mm-hmm. feeling of if they do not make any more they ended it in a way to where that was the, that could be an ending yeah you know did you get yeah. you, you did you think the same lee oh if, if, if they came within a hair's breadth of saying and they lived happily ever after <laughs> correct <laughs> correct yeah. so yeah well the second episode dealt with this person who need who was basically Needed the media, needed to, needed the attention, wanted to be the center of attention, needed adoration, went to little, uh, hospitals where children were and, uh, was, you know, like a media darling. 
and he was actually a serial killer. Mm. Uh, Holmes has to, you know, catch him and do all the, you know, the things and whatever. Throughout this, there's this, there's this woman who comes and helps to put him on the road to solving that. Then there's the woman that you just mentioned on the bus. So, Lee, would you like to uh, elaborate on <laughs> the uh, and and also tell your opinion of the fact we learn in the third and final episode no uh, <laughs> no because i i uh, i unapologetically hate this she's she, uh, all, all of these women that they've been encountering the w- women who couldn't who, who know things they couldn't possibly know they're all the same person and i will say that that was executed very cunningly in the show i agree and when you look back at it you go well uh, yeah of course that's the same actress and, you know and it wasn't obvious and uh, and I thought that was lovely, but um, that's not just anybody. That is Sherlock Holmes's smarter sister. What? Yes. Yeah, I didn't like which that. Is, which is co- completely non-canonical, and, and 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 I think just kind of I don't know. And the third episode turns into she is also a criminal mastermind, every much the match for for Professor Moriarty. Or even worse, who, even who gratefully is actually dead, which which made me happy because I was tired of him, and um, but he, but his sort of his specter lives on because they had had a collaboration which had allowed her to do a lot of the 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 Machiavellian things that she's doing, but then it turns into of all things saw. I'm not making this up, and. Part of what she's done is she's taking revenge on the way she was treated by by Sherlock and Mycroft in their childhood by uh, torturing the two of them to death and with uh, Watson there as a pawn as well. And that's that's the story. It's about this hmm. torture porn that goes on for an hour. All right. So let me ask you this, because this is I you know, one of uh, the questions that we got from feedback was. You know, what did we think about this season? What did we think about the show? Was it worth the wait? Did we think it was good? I will say this about that final episode. I watched it one time. I, yes, I did have my computer in my lap while we were doing it, but I, <laughs> but I was actually paying attention because it yeah. didn't quite make sense to me. And now tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong in what I'm about to say. Um, okay (laughs) there was uh, a dog that um throughout this entire story that sherlock keeps referring to the dog or he keeps trying to remember something the sister however reveals that the dog was actually a fourth sibling did i or did i just dream that um Oh golly, I've forgotten that that whole twist. Yeah, Redbeard wasn't the dog at all, but was somebody else. Yeah, either his friend or his, or yeah. there was another. There was either that was a fourth sibling or a friend that she got jealous of and killed. I think exactly. And all of this has been so traumatic to Sherlock Holmes, who has the most gigantic brain in the world, that <laughs> he has suppressed these memories to the extent that he has no recollection of any of this. Oh my gosh. Well, but allegedly, yeah. Mycroft did know, right? That's I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. See, and that's what but I'm yeah, saying. This, no, it this means whole... that her her powers have to be somehow supernatural, which to me, th- here's this phrase again, rends the canonical fabric. 
I mean, one <laughs> of the things that is clear in the Sherlock Holmes world, and 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 this is, by the way, how um, Sherlock Holmes becomes Scooby Doo, where the same thing is true. I mean, Scooby Doo starts out as being um, the Hound of the Baskervilles. I mean, you, if, you, if you read How the Baskervilles, you will say, oh, my God, this is where all the Scooby-Doo adventures come from. <laughs> because in the end, you know, after we finally chasing this ghost, you pull somebody's mask off and say, hey, it's so-and-so. Yes, and here's the reason why I, would, I made all this stuff up to try to scare everybody. And, yeah, and it, I got it, caught it because of from, these darn kids. Exactly. You know, you know, got if it hadn't been for these two guys, <laughs> I would have. Yeah, it all comes from How to the Baskervilles. So, you know, kudos to Arthur Conan Doyle for you know, for <laughs> for creating a, an endless meme, but um, but where was I going with that? What was the point? Oh, but that that we always know when there is a go, there is no hound from hell in the Hound of Baskervilles, and Holmes knows that to start with. So let's find out what it really is, and it does turn out to be something else. There, there's the supernatural does not exist in the world of Sherlock Holmes stories, and it shouldn't, and it shouldn't, right? Because it's all about logic, the triumph of logic. And, um, yeah, so then in this story, of all things, written by these two people who love this character so much, they then had this character whose powers have to be supernatural. Okay, and, so, so Clarence, uh, there is a scene in there, and, and, and this, is, th- this one just really, really troubled me. I mean, I could, I could get the fact that this person may have escaped prison and has you know as brilliant as he is i i I was i could halfway buy the the premise of well she's a master of disguise because i think that's part correct me if i'm wrongly as part of the one of the things that that sherlock would do is you know disguise himself to to find out things and investigate yep. things. So it's one of the reasons I recommend Scandal in Bohemia as a story to read. Cause in the very first short story, we get him in one of his uh, most brilliant, dis- actually two of his most brilliant disguises. Yeah. So I could get her doing the disguise thing, but Clarence, there's a scene when he finally comes face to face with her where he is going, she's in this, um, walled off, a glass enclosure so he walks up and he's putting his hand up to you know he's not touching the glass and he's putting his hand up and she comes and rests her hand you know and it's like okay well we're not touching and then you get to the realization when she attacks him that oh guess what there's no glass and there's never been or there hasn't been any glass in where she's at and oh and guess what she's actually taken over the prison what? Yeah. 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 And at that moment, our whole concept of him as being the perennial master of observation has to collapse because he didn't see that there wasn't any glass there. Yeah. Wow. So it, it does. It bends the character so far that, that, that he breaks. And I don't I just I just resent it in the end. Yeah. And then they did that last little coda about Holmes and Watson getting back together and carrying on. And it was so sweet and so perfect. And the images were so, so lush and exciting. And, and I, you know, I was tearing up thinking, Oh damn you guys, you did it again. I'm loving this now. They always <laughs> do this to me. <laughs> you know what that actually reminded me of? It reminded me of, and this was not actually the BBC doing it, but the first season of, Maybe not the first. Maybe it was the uh, second season with Amy Pond. They had the 22nd 
uh, on BBC America for Doctor Who where the where you hear Amy going, "Hello, my name is Amy Pond," and yeah. one night I. Uh, you know, met a man from the stars and blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. now I've ran away. And then they go into the, um, you know, the theme. And I'm like, yeah. that's not necessarily, that's what that kind of reminded me of. It was mm-hmm. too cutesy and too, you know, you know, feel goody kind of thing. And that's probably the same writer writing both of those. So. Probably so. <laughs> Yeah, it was Stephen Moffat, I'm sure. Um, so did we so. think, I'm going to go back to our questions that were presented did we think it was good? I, I'll, I'll, ask that, I'll answer that first. Um, <laughs> I think it started good, and it ended horribly, in my opinion. Lee, what do you yes, say? It, yeah, I would say that for this season and really for the, for the whole series, that um, go back and watch you know, years one and two of Sherlock because they are brilliant. And, and, and uh, have, you, have you seen the, the very first ones, uh, Clarence? I may have seen like just part of the first series, first episode. That's about as far as I got. I'm now trying to remember when when was that? That was uh, the twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So seven years. That that whole thing of um of the text messages on screen and all that stuff that had really never been done before. That was that became sort of Sherlock's visual trademark. Really? Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what and what you're seeing now is how oversaturated that has now become. That you, you were watching that, going, oh please, yeah, and, and that w- that was actually that started out as being the thing that was cute and clever and original about Sherlock, and yeah, it just it's worn out its welcome. It was it was cute the first time, and uh, yeah, but it, it's it's really true. Well, you know, I'll go back and when when you want to talk technology, and we're talking about the things that our uh, technology can do. I remember back in ninety seven, ninety eight. I had I was working for a uh, cell phone company uh, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, called Cellular One. I remember everyone getting excited. I mean, this was like a big deal. The owner of the company walked in the room and he was like, "We finally did it!" And it, I mean, and imagine this big, tall man and very dry, dry wit. You know, very, very nice man, but a very dry sense of humor walking in, saying, "We've done it! You know, we finally done it!" And what we had done was got caller ID on, you know, <laughs> handheld phones. I mean, you know, the fact that you on your uh, car phone could now look down and see who's calling. And here we are in 2017, what, 20 years later, talking about how text messages popping up. Oh, text messages. That's nothing. Yeah, that's right. It's changed. <laughs> do, you, do you guys know the, uh, the most famous iteration of the... Um seeing the cell phone uh, sort of floating in the air thing uh, and Sherlock was um, related to Irene Adler. Really? He has her phone, and uh, but it's locked. And it has a lock screen that says, I am locked. And it's got four spaces over it. And he is trying, he's going nuts trying to figure out what the, what the four digits or numbers could ah, be. Ah, I know what it is. And of course they are S-H-E-R. Because <laughs> she loves him. And yeah. it just so happened that that happened to be a merchandising thing of all these exactly. shirts and whatever. <laughs> right. I am Sherlock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that. Yeah. That's funny. It mentioned in merchandising, though, it did make me think. Uh, okay, is Apple floating the money? And it was one other product I saw that was pretty prominent. I was thinking it was 
could have been part of a, a ad deal of some type. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of, of brand names um, and logos on screen. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to say, unless the BBC has had to change in order to get more money, I don't think the the product placement matters for the BBC yeah. because They're, they have yeah. the tax. That makes sense. It, and, yeah. and I could be wrong about that too, but but I, I it seems to me like I'm seeing corporate logos and yeah, I, I had kind of the same thought was not only do they not need to do that, they're not supposed to do that, are they? So Right. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, you look at any the, um NBC or CBS or Fox or whatever, if, if you know from looking at that computer that it's an Apple, you look yeah. on the back of it and it's a pair, you know, they've repl- right. or they've got exactly, the yeah. you know, the Apple covered up or whatever yeah. so that you can't <laughs> yeah. see it. You can oh, yeah, that magazine version, yeah. The other thing that I thought about, they, they explicitly said tweet, which, okay, that's understandable because tweet is kind of generic. But they said Skype, you know, specifically yeah. Skype. Is, that's right. Know, mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, is that brand deal? But like you guys said, it doesn't make any sense in the context of where they're producing the show at. Hmm. You know, look at it like this. If we said, all right, well, we're, gonna, we're going to get on uh, – we're going to get on to record this. We're not going to say, well, we're going to get on an internet call. We're going to say, oh, well, let's, all right, we're, let, you know, let's meet at 8 p.m. and we're, we'll be on Skype. So, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it's, it's so much in our lingo that we don't notice it. But when we see maybe other people using it, because in the States, we don't see that in, in, in because of the product placement or the yeah. not product placement, maybe it's weird because it's kind of generic in mm-hmm. uh, you know in most of what we watch stateside. But in TV shows and movies, uh, well, anywhere for that matter, you have to be careful about using a term like that and making it generic because uh, ultimately, like if you like if everybody says Skype, 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 and they're not acknowledging that that's a real company. Then it becomes generic, and Skype will eventually lose its its own ownership of the name. Yeah. If it passes into common use, that's what happened. You know, aspirin used to be a brand name, right? Um, and then everybody called all you know pain reliever tablets. Like everybody called them aspirin, and they, yeah, they lost the ownership of that word. It's gone. You know, the, the company can't <laughs> can't uh, copyright. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure that Skype doesn't want that to happen. So they would they would they would have people in there saying, uh, you know, you can't say Skype in here without you know giving us. Good point. A percentage here. That's yeah. That's that's sort of how that happens. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And I, I have one last observation. Uh, on episode one, when they had the big montage where what's her name was going around trying to lo- get lost and not be found from because uh, she was trying to be. They were trying to kill her. And she was trying to fall off the map or get off the radar. Uh, Watson's wife. I can't oh, remember. Yeah, Mary. Mary. Yeah, yeah, Mary. At the the place where. Sherlock eventually finds her. Did it remind you guys any of um, Doctor Strange? Because I thought the place looked just like where uh, Doctor Strange did read the ancient that. one. Yes, I did. I did think about that too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it was just because you know the juxtaposition of that room and Benedict being there. But yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> I, I kind of like the you know one thing I did like. You know, I'll try to end it on a positive note. One thing that I did like was the um, way that they interpreted Mary's demise and having her almost be, you know, this ghost conscience uh, in that 
next episode rather than just having her okay she's dead she's gone and let's you know she actually had a goodbye and and that was i now that i did like what what was your thoughts lee yeah i, I guess i, I kind of went back and forth about it i i like the conceit of um talking to somebody who isn't there but it is it has been done a lot and so um you know i um, if I if I'd felt it was novel, I guess I, I would have I would have been warmer to it. But um, the character of, uh, of of Mary in um, in this series has always sort of rubbed me the wrong way, and I don't know why. But I just um, I just wasn't um, wasn't happy to see her. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. do we think you know? Let's let's have one final question. I think this is one all three because it's a speculatory question or speculative, excuse me, question. Mm-hmm. Is this the end of Sherlock as as it is in this context, or do we see another season at some point? Lee, what do you think? I think that um, that question has been asked of uh, Stephen and Mark, and they have both said that you know the door is not closed by any means, um, which I think is sort of producer speak for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never um, you know, say never, but yeah. Ex- exactly. Never say never again. And that's, um, yeah. But but they did put such a button on it at the end. And and I don't think there's any question that um, uh, Benedict is simply now going to be too big a star for them to hold on to. And, um, and the franchise disappears without him. And I don't think Martin's going to stop getting work anytime soon. So, you know. Yeah. What um, do, you, do you agree, Clarence? Yeah, I mean, both those guys are two huge stars. And, you know, in America is a bit different because most of our huge movie stars, A-list, don't aren't on TV shows a lot if, at all. Uh, it's kind of changed in recent years where you see more of them. Uh-huh. So, yeah, um, the bigger you become, it's kind of hard to keep you at that uh, the, the the small screen level. So, yeah. All right. All right. So I think we have successfully, hopefully, answered uh, all of – the questions that got submitted. So my final question as we kind of wrap up, Clarence, what are you what else are you working on? Uh we have a recent episode of the Tech Petition podcast that's out. Uh go check it out. We talk about the Nintendo Switch event that was a few weeks back and uh yeah, a lot is lost in translation from a Japanese press conference to America. So, uh, a lot of zaniness <laughs> there and we, we also talk a few trailers and um uh, and a little bit of news, but that was a fun episode. So, check it out at techpedition.com. All right, good deal. So, Lee, I, what else are you working on? I want to recommend to everybody uh, who uh, has seen and loved uh, Rogue One to listen to the Tech Petition episode about Rogue One, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Oh, wow. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, and I, I think anybody who, who likes Rogue One will enjoy that episode of Tech Petition. So it's just a great conversation all around, I thought. so. Thanks, man. Cool. So I know you've been working on something, Lee, frantically. Yeah, I am. Busy with yeah, it. Yeah, I've been busy, and uh, but, you know, relatively speaking. Um, <laughs> That joke just never gets tired, does it? <laughs> no, but it was a good one. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really not. I, yeah, I am tired of it. But, um, yeah, I was just doing post-production today on Relativity Episode 7. But the next one that's going to drop, as they say, is Episode 3. So there are at least seven that are actually 
finished and ready to ready for, to be shared with the with the waiting public. So, um, so I would like to ask you, and I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to ask you a, a question. I know you're working on post production okay. on on a couple of more, but have have has the writing process started for what comes next? Yes. Good. As, um, as as Mozart says in uh, Amadeus, it's all finished up in here. Up in the, the, up in the noggin. Yeah. Exactly. Good. Good, so, good, good. Yeah. But no, I do have extensive notes and I've got, you know, my outlines and everything. So I, I do I do know where we're going from from uh, from episode ten hour. But yeah, Elena and I recorded all the voice tracks for episodes one through ten all in one uh, giant fell swoop and uh, I've been slowly doing the, the post production on them. And um yeah. So, uh, and, and, and listening to episodes one and two, you know, we're, we're not getting a whole, you know, it's not any kind of avalanche of uh, subscribers coming. And I listen to those two episodes and I think, yeah, well, it's about to get good. So, oh, uh, yeah, because I, I have to find out what happened to this captain. And, you know, um, of course, the, the happenings that are going on back on, on Earth. And, yeah, I just can't wait to get the full story. Excellent. Of what and why. Excellent. <laughs> but see, you know, that's that's like with any uh, any story. And, you know, I, I go back and I remember making a comment to you, Lee, about uh, – and I don't think we were recording. I think it was before we, we were recording the last pod shots. I don't think we were actually recording yet. But I remember t- uh, commenting to you about the character of Sophia – from the first uh, episode, and I, my specific comment was, yeah. you know, she was n- the character itself, not not anything to do with uh, Elena, but um, no. you know, the character I found to be very abrasive and very, you know, uh, in your face almost. And then, as I was listening to the second episode and hearing some more, I'm thinking, and or I'm catching myself actually feeling bad that I said the bad thing about uh, yeah. the character because I'm so my point being the more you listen or the more anyone listens you start to develop a, oh I know this character you know you yeah, the that, more you find yeah. out and that's funny you were saying uh, Sophia was abrasive, abrasive? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought Dr. Mason was the abrasive one it, it, but I think it was more his wit and character that kind of made him feel that way to me well I'll always I'll always cherish the fact that the first comment I ever got on on any you know from anybody about this was from Clarence saying he's kind of a smart aleck isn't he I like it <laughs> I well, well well here's here's my problem with Dr. Mason it it was because I have not heard Elena as much or as I have heard Lee, I had to consciously separate Lee Shackelford from yeah. Christopher Mason because I kept hearing, oh, that's Lee, that's Lee, that's, you know, and I had to yeah. back off it's and back problem. away from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I damn, I have been playing it for people who, who are having the same problem and, and wondering if I shouldn't have just you know, cast somebody else. But, um, yeah, Maybe. in all radio drama ventures, I'm guided by the, uh, by the, the phrase, what would Orson Welles do? Well, maybe, and you the, know, maybe the answer would point. always be cast himself. So, well, maybe at some yeah, I mean, point, uh, he gets hit on the head and it changes his <laughs> accent. And you just adopt a new yeah. accent. Hey, yeah, it's a science fiction universe. You can have the, the, uh, the character regenerate into another uh, one. Well, exactly. That's been done. Yeah. <laughs> Clarence, you were about to say something, I think. 
No, I was I was just going to say that I think the the the, the smart alecky part of of Mr. Mason makes him a little different from Lee, but uh I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because because I've had people say it's real interesting that you made Sophia be the one who's right and Dr. Mason be the one who's wrong. And I've had other people say, "Wow, that's kind of harsh that you made the guy the one who's always right and the girl's the one who's wrong." Think, <laughs> oh, really? This is very projective. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Who do you think is the one who's always right and who's wrong? Yeah. So maybe so, instead of a study of Sherlock, maybe we need to do a, a study of Shackleford. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But this is all coming out of my fractured brain in some way. But yeah. Well, mm. speaking of fractured brains, uh, <laughs> what, what else uh, we've also been working on? On uh, you and I both, uh, we just finished last. Uh, what was it? Last Friday night, we've recorded yeah. uh, the next uh, pod shot, which should hopefully, uh, and I'll use your words, should hopefully be dropping soon, and yes. or it may be by the time you're listening to to this, depending right. on when you're listening. So, Clarence. I know the- Oh, go ahead. Lewis is doing po- we know that Lewis is doing post on that as we record this. So, yeah. And we've talked about the um, – what did we talk about? It seems so long ago now. We, d- we talked about that good old Christmas episode. The Doctor Who Christmas special. Yes. <laughs> the return of Doctor Mysterio. Yes. Yeah. Which and, we already covered, so that's old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was quite interesting, and it made me remember we never uh, discussed uh, – that we did to do the Husbands of River Song on this podcast, but that made me remember we uh, neglected to do that on Podshot. Yeah. As we're, I guess now would be a good time to wrap. Clarence, if you'd like to tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, folks. It's uh, at Discussing Who on Twitter and Facebook, and of course, uh, DiscussingWho.com. Uh, send us an email at discussingwho at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 805-850-DHU. And everybody, thank you for listening. And on behalf of Clarence and Lee and myself, I thank you for again for listening. And we are out of here. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.